0: Morning. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, good morning to you. Hey, this morning. We are going to be continuing in our Lost and Found series where we are just marching through verse by verse uh, through the book of Luke. Uh, Luke is one of uh, four books in the Bible about the life, the teachings, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this morning, uh, we have a guest speaker who is going to teach us through this next section. And Luke, his name is Mark Warder. Uh, Mark has spoken here several times before. We're excited to have him back this morning. Uh, Mark is the uh, senior, senior Training Director at Pulse. Uh, if you've never heard of Pulse, uh, they are a huge evangelistic uh, organization in our area, uh, founded and led by Nick Hall. And they just have a passion to see as many people as possible encounter and come to faith in Jesus. So uh, we are excited that Mark is here. Mark, I'll, I'll call you uh, to the center of the stage here. And I just want to pray for you uh, as you bring us the word this morning. Lord, we, just, we pray for Mark. We pray that you just use him. I pray that you bless him in his uh, ministry work that he does every day. As he just leads young men and women who are getting ready to go into ministry and share the gospel, that you just lead him and give him just wisdom and training. And we just pray for his message this morning, that you would speak through him, that you would use him to bring us closer to you, and that you would use him to lead people to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks. When, when David got up here, though, like guest speaker, you are like, oh. I'm going to do my best, okay? But I do want to honor Pastor David. So uh, six years ago, he reached out to me, and we were talking about church planting. And that hasn't been the the call yet on my life and my wife's life. But for months, he was coaching me and uh, meeting with me. And you guys, we look at renovation from, like, around the Twin Cities and around the globe, and we are just— in awe of what God is doing here, and it has to be, you know, led by Jesus, but also led by your pastor. Can we just honor Pastor David for just what he's been doing and his family, and it's an honor to be here. Um, And just because we're kind of new, getting to know each other, I I haven't been here in a couple years because of the COVID and all those kind of things. So um, here's my Instagram introduction. Okay, ready? Instagram introduction. My name is Mark. I grew up in the Twin Cities, went to the University of St. Thomas, became a high school PE and health teacher. And then I met my wife at that school. She was the dance teacher. And if you know the show Glee, the athletic department and the arts department don't really get along very well. But for some reason, the Lord, you know, can do impossible things. And we got married in June of 2002. And uh, we moved to Bolivia in like the very next month, which we recommend to all couples, get married, just leave the country. It's just your in-laws, you don't have to deal with them. You know, it's just like, it's pretty awesome. Then we moved to paradise, I mean Panama, for five years. Um, I worked in a bilingual speaking church there. Um, my, My desk looked out at the Panama Canal. It was amazing. Had two of our kids there. Came back, worked here in a church in the Twin Cities as the high school and college pastor. And we adopted our our son, David, three years ago. And now I work for Pulse as the internship director. I love Minnesota. I love the Minnesota Vikings. I love playing pickup basketball and watching track and field on TV. Can we give it up for the Vikings? Yeah? And you guys... You know, the game is until 3.30. So the next service, like, you know, everyone doesn't feel like they have to, like, get out of there really quick. So it's going to be packed in the next service, too. Okay. So that's my Instagram introduction. In full disclosure, um, here is my, my real introduction. Okay. Hi, my name is Mark. I grew up in the Twin Cities, and my dad lost his job when I was a freshman at St. Thomas. When I met my wife, Kelly, we journeyed through mental health issues together. We got married, but a month later, we made the international move to Bolivia, but that strained several relationships with the people here in Minnesota because they they didn't necessarily agree that we should leave and, and, uh, and move, but we did, and we moved to Panama then, and within the first month, a friend of ours passed away on a motorcycle accident right by the Mall of America. Our first two kids were born in Panama. My son had three eye surgeries when he was a baby. When we moved back to Minneapolis, he was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Then, um, you know, it was like, people said, like, he's not gonna walk, and then he did. And he's not gonna run, and then he did. It's like, well, he's never gonna ride a bike. And so we're in that, like, overcoming that bike challenge, right? And uh, all the kids are riding their bikes, he couldn't, and he just kind of came up to me and he's like, Dad, today's the day. I was like, okay, let's go. We've already tried multiple times, you know, falling down, skinned the knees. So he gets on the bike and he starts riding, and it's like so exciting. And he just goes, "Dad, I want to go to the dirty mountain road." Like we had just been in Georgia, like in the mountains. I wasn't gonna tell him there are no mountains in Minnesota, but um, let's go. You know, so we got in the car, put our bikes in there, went down by the Minnesota River, by the Cedar Bridge. There's trails down there. We get on the trail and we are riding, and he's totally doing it, you guys. They're they're really flat. Okay, it's Minnesota, right? (laughs) And there was this moment where I'm going to like take out my phone to have the Instagram moment. And I'm like, you know, Will, smile. And I click this picture right here. So this is the Instagram moment. I get slapped in the face with a branch. That is like legit. That is just what happened. And um, my son is uh, now in a mainstream school and, and some things are really kind of kind of working. It's awesome. But, but I worked in the church in the Twin Cities for eight years. And did you know that working in a church is amazing and also very challenging? Now, not here at Renovation, but all the other churches in Minnesota, but I mean, not here. It's perfect here, right? Um, then David, uh, our second son, came to us through, a fo- through the foster care system, but adopting a son, you know, from another family just is so layered, and it's just, it's, it's, it's challenging, and then living in Minnesota during the pandemic, you know, during George Floyd's death has brought so many opportunities and challenges as a biracial family. Hi, my name is Mark, and this is real life. We could go around this room and all of us have stories like this. All of us are living in them right now through the good times and the hard times. And there are times like, how are we going to get through this, right? And no matter who we are, we will all come across these challenges. We live in this fractured, broken world. We also have this default setting of self-centeredness, this me-first mindset, so we kind of operate in that way. Jesus challenges that, right? We'll talk about that. But in the midst of the heaviest times in life, I want to ask this question. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. How do I meet the next challenge head on and still follow Jesus? Because I want to do that well. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I want to meet that next challenge head on. I want to trust in him in the midst of it. I don't want to stray from, in, onto some other path, on my own path. And how do we do that? Now, Jesus is giving the first century disciples and now today the 21st century disciples the resources you need to walk through it in this passage that we're going to look at. It's going to be awesome, okay? But if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, that's okay. That's, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're here. You don't have to believe in what this community believes in to belong here, right? But I do want to say this. Today can be the day to take that step and start following Jesus for the very first time. And at the end of our service, I will give an opportunity for you to start that relationship. If you have your Bible here, if you want to grab one in front of you, if you're in the front row, way to go, front row people. Can I get a shout out to all the front row seats, huh? Yeah? (laughs) <laughs> You're like, they, they just ushered us to the front. We didn't want to sit here. <laughs> the Bible is under your chair. Everyone else that's in front of you, it's page 720. And we're at Luke 22. And Pastor David, over the last few weeks, has done some amazing teaching. I was watching them online. And there's moments right before this moment in the upper room and having the last supper. Okay? And they've just left from there, now they're walking. And this is where we get picked up, Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39. Here we go. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed most earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up, pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The title of my message today is Wake Up and Pray. Wake Up and Pray. Let's pray right now. God, I pray that you would use this time to stir us, God, spiritually. God, we want to follow you, God. We want to see your face, God, in this time. Speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me ask this again. How do you meet your next challenge head on and still follow Jesus? There in Luke 22, that first verse, in 39, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of olives. When it says that Jesus went out as usual, it means that this was his regular place. This was his place of connection and prayer to God. Now, we see all throughout the Gospels that Jesus not only came to save us, but he came to show us, like to model and demonstrate how to live this life out. In 1 Peter 2.21, it says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Other translations say follow in his footsteps. I love that imagery. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to walk his path. I'm going to follow in his footsteps. And we see Jesus just demonstrate so many key things in this passage. During that week, Jesus had also spent his evenings on that hill called the Mount of Olives. And Luke 21, 37. And he refused, listen, he refused to modify his routine. How often we can be presented with a challenge or or a change in our schedule and we just kind of throw everything out, out. Jesus remained in the schedule of going to this place. It shows that you need a place of prayer because that's what Jesus did. And then other parts in the scripture says he slipped away early in the morning or in the evening he went to the side of the mountain to pray. Write this down. I need a place of prayer and a time of prayer. I need a place of prayer and a time of prayer. The spiritual discipline of prayer is critical in the life of a follower of Jesus. You have access to God. It's this direct line to him. It's like the best 5G cell tower. You know, it's like your call never gets dropped. You can be, you know, anywhere and you just, you know, lift up your voice, lift up your heart to him and he's going to hear you. He's going to respond to you. That is so powerful. Now, I know that some of you may be thinking, well, Mark, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says that we're supposed to pray continuously. And I agree with that. I love that. Continual prayer, constant communion with God all throughout the day. We want to be in that spirit, that active spirit, communion with Him. But I just do believe that there needs to be a starting point or an ending point to those prayers. Do you have a place of prayer? Do you have a time of prayer? Now, you might say, well, Mark, you know, we, it's Thanksgiving. We do pray before meals. That's awesome, right? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. Rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. <laughs> um, some of our friends, they, ha- they had little kids, and they taught us this song. You can sing along if you know it. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Thank you, God, for giving us food for the friends that we meet and the food that we eat. Thank you, God, for giving us food. Come on. I'm working up here. No, I'm just kidding. All these times I think are so important just to, like, focus our families. Those are so good. But Jesus had a consistent time and place where he would go. And share and pour out his heart to his heavenly Father to talk, to ask, to seek, to listen. Do you have a place of prayer and time of prayer? We go on to verse 40 now. On reaching the place, the disciples are there, Jesus is there. He said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So he began by warning the disciples their need for prayer. This is what I want you to do. I want you to be here in prayer so that you won't fall into temptation. And now they've just come out of this dinner where Jesus has washed their feet. Okay, that was wild for them, right? He told Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. And then he told Judas that Judas was gonna betray him and then Judas awkwardly left. Have you guys ever been to a dinner party where someone awkwardly leaves? Like you just had Thanksgiving, right? Someone started talking about politics and vaccines and masks or religion and someone was just like, yeah, I'm peacing out, sorry, Oh, wait, that was, that was you? You left the party this week? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, this is like so real and, and so relevant to what we're going through. Like G- Judas left. And so now he says, pray that you'll not fall into temptation. And I don't even know if the disciples heard him, right? They probably were like, this is such a crazy dinner party. What is going on? Uh, oh, come on, I can't pray. Like, I need to debrief right now. Uh, what is happening? Where is Jesus going? Like, I don't feel like praying, Often the times that you don't feel like praying are the times when you need to pray the most. Often the times that you don't feel like praying are the times when you need to pray the most, right? And Jesus is trying to emphasize this point. You're being tested, You'll be tested in a few moments from now. You're being impacted. And it's stirring up all your emotions, yes. And the stress of this moment. And you're going to be tempted to sin. You're going to forget about all the things that I've taught you. And so I'm telling you to flip that mindset by praying. And what happens? They fall asleep. Anybody here snore? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. If the person next to you snores, just go ahead and just nudge them a little bit there in the the lungs, just like, right? They fall asleep, you guys. It's so wild. This was something that Jesus had actually already taught them. So a lot of you know the Lord's Prayer. In Matthew 6, we'll put it up on the screen, 9 through 13, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. But what? Deliver us from evil. So they asked Jesus, hey, teach us how to pray because they've been seeing him, you know, kind of go off into the mountains and do this. And so Jesus does teach them. They didn't just memorize it. They were supposed to do this like on the daily, And this section is in there. Jesus is like reminding them, repeating it. It's practical. Pray. They already knew this. Jesus says, you guys got to pray. And they fall asleep. Verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father. So in a commentary, as I was studying this, the usual manner of prayer at that time was to pray actually in the standing position that Jesus knelt down proves the violence of his struggle in Gethsemane in this garden. Wow. I just imagine, I picture Jesus falling in desperation to his knees, knowing what's coming and getting to this posture of humility as he came before his father. And he addressed God as father. So we see this in scripture where we attach a different image to give us a greater understanding of who God is. So that, that God is a loving father or, or that God is a king, right? We sing and we see scripture about he's the king of kings. There are these pictures to help us. Jesus said, I am the vine. I am the light. I am the good shepherd. Again, these pictures that help us understand a little bit more who Jesus is. What about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's like a dove, like fire, like water, like wind, and like oil. And so in this particular passage, God is addressing Jesus is addressing God as father. And in the Gospel of Mark, he says that Jesus cried, Abba, father, which is an Aramaic word of closeness and intimacy that children used in addressing their fathers. Now, for me, I have two teenagers, you know, 15 and 14. They're in high school. And then because we adopted, we went back 10 years. Now, there's a reason why you're supposed to have your kids in your 20s and 30s, not your 40s. It is hard, Okay. But there is nothing like when my son David, now he's five, crawls up on my lap and kisses me on the cheek. There is nothing like that. So powerful. And yet Jesus is saying, Abba, Father, like we want to have this this beautiful relationship with God, with the Father. So we address him in that way. There was A story of an emperor who was once parading through the streets of this imperial city enjoying the victory celebration, and his soldiers lined the parade to keep back the cheering people. And at one place along the way was a small platform where the the royal family would sit. And as the conqueror approached, his youngest son, who was just a little boy, jumped down, burrowed through the crowd, and tried to run to meet him. "'You can't do that,' said one of the guards, as he caught the boy with his strong arms." Do you know who that is in the chariot? That's the emperor. And the boy quickly responded, he may be your emperor, but he's also my father. Right? And that boy had the privilege of access because it was his father. And even so, we have access to the sovereign God who created the universe and we get to call him our heavenly father. Okay, how do you meet your next challenge head on? Write this down. Believe that you have a loving, heavenly father that is for you and that you have access to. Because if you have your place of prayer and your time of prayer, who are you praying to? And can you trust him? I believe that you can. He is a good and loving father. Now, this is a super sensitive topic because talking about fathers can trigger something from your relationship with your earthly father. Right? And none of our, none of our dads are, are perfect. Right. And some of our dads have heard us, had said things, have done things. And some of you are still wounded from that. And I just as I know I'm I'm the guest speaker, but I just want to say with a pastor's heart, if you still have some of those wounds, maybe today can be the day that you start the healing process. I don't think you're supposed to carry that anymore. And so I don't know what that means for you. I don't know if that means a certain conversation, maybe with a therapist or a counselor, but maybe it's a phone call. Maybe you write a letter. Maybe you do meet with your dad and and tell him how he hurt you and forgive him. And that is so challenging. It's so hard. Maybe you need to create new boundaries in your relationship with your earthly father. I don't know what it is, but I just think that maybe I can help here being today just to kind of jumpstart that healing process. Let's go now to verse 42. It says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I remember being little and reading this passage and think, okay, Jesus is like in this garden. So I'm just thinking flowers everywhere, right? And then he's like holding this cup, but he's not actually holding a cup, right? This is a figure of speech. And repeatedly in the Old Testament, a cup is a powerful picture of the wrath and judgment of God. In Psalm 75, 8, it talks about that. For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup and the wine is red. It is fully mixed and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. It's a figure of speech, but it's all of your sins and my sins. The whole world's sins get put into this cup and it's almost like it's poisoned. It was meant to be our death. Like we can't have relationship with God because we have sin in our life. All that sin here is in this cup and instead it went to the cross and he drank it. He did it. Jesus figuratively was willing to drink it as an act of obedience to the Father. The preacher, famous preacher Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, I'm never afraid of exaggeration when I speak of what my Lord endured. All hell was distilled into that cup of which our God and Savior Jesus Christ was made to drink. And We go back to the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus taught this, and he was modeling it too. You know, in Matthew 6 again, it says, Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. It's so powerful. What are we supposed to do now in the midst of this? You know, Jesus was modeling surrender and obedience. And you're being called to walk on the path that follows Jesus, which is marked by surrender and obedience. But so often we want to walk down our own path, right? Go our own way. And the Christian life really is about surrender, surrendering our path to walk on his. And may that be our prayer, God, Lord, not your will, not my will, but yours be done. Not, your, not my will, but yours be done. Could that be one of our prayers, in that place of prayer, in that time of prayer to our loving heavenly Father. Verse 43, it says, then the angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Okay, wow, this is an interesting passage here. In response to Jesus' prayer, the Father did not take the cup from Jesus, but he's supernaturally strengthening him now for what Jesus is going to have to experience. These angelic messengers Give him the power and the strength supernaturally to take and drink the cup and endure the coming hours. I just believe that whatever you're going through, if God is calling you to stand, if God is calling you to stop, if he's telling you to move, he's going to give you the strength through what? Through prayer. Maybe it's a prayer like this. Father, help me. Fill me. Use me. And he will answer that prayer every single time. In verse 44, we see that in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, everyone is very fascinated by this. This is an actual medical term called hematridosis, and they they say that, that it's possible for that to happen. Luke, though, did not say that Jesus' sweat was blood. It says it was like blood, either in the way it poured off of his brow or because it was tinged with blood from, like, burst capillaries. But what I see in this moment is that Jesus is in the struggle. It's Jesus wrestling. We see the full range of Jesus' humanity, fully God and fully man. All the emotions, and, like, he gets it. I mean, Jesus experienced everything that we're experiencing here in our life. And you're like, really? I mean, he had family issues, arguments with this family. I mean, his best friends are betraying him and turning his back on him. He experienced every single temptation and yet remained perfect. Like he's, he's been through all the things. It's really powerful. There in this moment, we see him going through this struggle. I remember a story I heard one time about a fish in a fishbowl. And like, how can you reach that fish? Okay, Because, you know, when you go up to the fishbowl and you, you, you tap on it, typically then, like, it's it, it scared. Because, I mean, you're like this huge giant in front of this fishbowl, right? If you wanted to try to reach the fish to tell the fish a message, you would become like a fish. You become a fish, and you get put into the environment to reach and connect and be with the other fish. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In the scriptures, it says that if you want to see God, look at Jesus. He's the exact representation. And so, again, Jesus comes into our environment and lives the life. And he's experiencing similar things than we are. We can trust him. He can relate to us. We can relate to him. It's just so powerful. Verse 45, here we're coming to the end. When he rose from prayer, he went back to the disciples and he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So Jesus warned them twice to pray so that they may not enter into temptation. But they were blind to the real danger that was quickly approaching and they failed to pray. And they fell asleep again. But what happens directly after this moment? Like when Jesus was about to be arrested, Peter starts swinging a sword. When Jesus was led away, the disciples were full of fear and left Jesus and fled for their own safety. When Jesus was taken under custody, Peter denies him three times. Like all of these moments are connected. We can kind of compartmentalize them just based on the paragraph in our Bibles, right? But they were operating in the physical realm, in their own strength. If they had been in prayer, like Jesus told them to do, they maybe could have responded with the supernatural power of God. I don't know, maybe the story plays out differently. Obviously, Jesus had to go to the cross. But their reaction was just like so real, so relatable, right? Let's come back here to 2021. As believers here today, we are just reacting to things instead of praying into things. So often, when we have these moments... We don't know what to do. We're just reacting to things instead of getting on our knees and praying before the Father, right? Are are we asleep like the disciples? Has anything changed from 2,000 years ago? Jesus is commanding us to, to what? To make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them to obey everything that he's commanded, to be witnesses. That's what he's calling us to do, right? And have we fallen asleep of that? I know in this church, Man, that that is your mission. That is your focus. But it's so easy to kind of fall astray from that. To forget about that. The time is now for the church to wake up. The world needs to know that there's a different path. The world needs to know that there's joy available, peace available, grace available, forgiveness available, love available. And they're living lives without any or all of those things. And we have the, the remedy. We have the gift Jesus. How do we meet your next challenge head on and still follow Jesus? Listen, if you've fallen asleep with your spiritual disciplines, if you've fallen asleep with your Bible reading, if you've fallen asleep with sharing your faith, if you've fallen asleep in tithing or offering your finances, if you've fallen asleep in in loving and serving others, wake up and pray. Wake up and pray. That's the starting point. And that's a catalyst to so many other things. You were created by God to know him, to be in relationship with him. Wake up and pray. You were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be an ambassador for him. Wake up and pray. You were called by God to love and care for people as a servant for him. Let's wake up and pray. Amen? Amen. You know, years ago in Central Africa, the the message of Jesus reached a number of tribes and there were many new believers. And I'll ask the band to come up right now as we close. And, And these new believers in Central Africa decided we need a place where we can come together and pray. And so since they had no church building, they cleared a central spot in the jungle where they could gather and soon, listen to this, there were trails from many different huts that converged on that spot. So imagine that. There's this, there's this gathering place. You know, it, it's all been cleared out. There's, there's no trees. There's no branches. There's nothing on the ground. It's just like their meeting place for prayer. And then from that place, you know, there's a trail that goes this way. There's a trail that goes this way. There's a trail that goes this way because they were prioritizing prayer. Whenever a follower of Jesus seemed to be losing that passion, losing the focus, losing the enthusiasm, other believers would admonish him saying, brother, the grass is growing on your path. Sister, the grass is growing on your path. Come back. Wake up and pray. I may be one of those believers here today that gets to encourage you Is the grass growing on your path? Now, I don't want to make you feel bad or, you know, feel ashamed. It's not that. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit convicting you that today is a new day. And that's the message of the gospel is that you can come. It doesn't matter kind of what situation you're in. You can just come as you are. And in one moment, start afresh. Again. Another time. And so this is the time of commitment I wanna challenge first to the believers here. Let's have a real moment here, because life is made up of these. You're going through something right now, or you're about to go through something. And if you're a follower of Jesus here today, what is one thing that you need to add or subtract from your life? Make that commitment. Like man, so often I would sit in church hear a message, kind of mm mm-hmm it and amen it, and then just walk out the door and act like the same exact person. I just believe, Renovation Church, that we're people that that are destined to be changed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. The world needs it. But it's just like one step at a time on his path. And so what is that for you? And maybe on the drive home in the car, you're going to tell a family member or a friend what you committed to here today. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is the moment of commitment for you. This is the simple gospel message that all of us have sinned and all of us need a savior. We've all messed up. I mean, all of us in this room, no one here is perfect, but there is the perfect one, Jesus. And there's two things that you can do that you have to do. Number one, you have to recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior and that you believe that Jesus came, lived a life, died, but then three days later, he rose from the grave and he's alive right now. And here's the, here's the difference between Christianity, what this church believes in and all the other kind of traditions and ethics and religions, is that Jesus is still alive today. So you can have relationship with him right now. It's the gospel. It's the good news. So I want to have everyone stand on your feet right now. If there is anyone here that has not yet said, yes, I need to follow Jesus, you realize that that the path that you've been on, it's not working. It's not fulfilling. You maybe feel like you just have this kind of void or this hole. I believe that it's filled with the relationship with Jesus. I'm going to count to three. And if you want to come up and pray with me here at the front. I want to encourage you to do that. If you've never started that relationship with Jesus, there's no greater moment than right now. I know it's like, it's kind of weird with all the people in here and maybe you're here because of Thanksgiving and, and your family and all that kind of stuff. Don't let that be a reason not to come. If God is tugging on your heart, this is the moment. On the count of three, you can come forward and we'll pray together. One, two. Three, go ahead and come forward. Come. Anyone here? Anyone here? We'll wait a little bit. You want to start that relationship with Jesus. You know that you need a change. And for the first time, you want to make that commitment. Go ahead and come. Now, it may be that tonight you're going to go home and you're going to kneel down next to your bed and you can make that commitment in your bedroom or later on this week. We would just love to know to be able to get you the resources that you need. Let me just pray for us here now together. Everyone go ahead and close your eyes, bow your head. Jesus, I thank you for this community. Thank you for each person in this room and God, all of them are facing challenges And thank you that you know about those intimate details, God. We just pray right now that you would strengthen us. God, not our will, but yours. Not our will, but yours, God. Fill us. We need you. Use us. We give you our lives, God, in surrender today, afresh, again. Have your way, God in this situation that I've just committed to. God, have your way. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.